Part 4 Future Chapter 25 Evolution Instead of Revolution You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Richard Buckminster Fuller, Architect and Visionary The future has already begun on the market of living together. By constitutional amendment, Honduras has allowed the establishment of special zones called ZDs, in which forms of organization are possible that resemble free private cities. The Seasteading Institute, which propagates the idea that floating cities at sea make new models of social coexistence possible, is currently negotiating with French Polynesia on the establishment of a corresponding special zone in their territorial waters. In Myanmar, the free city of Mu Aipu is being created in the autonomous Karen State. In New Hampshire, like-minded libertarians want to concentrate through immigration in order to gradually change local and state politics in their direction, knowing that they will never attain majorities at the federal level. In Europe, a new classical, liberal state called Liberland is set to emerge on a patch of unclaimed territory between Serbia and Croatia. Shortly after the project started, there were already more than 100,000 applicants for citizenship. In Saudi Arabia, the Neom project aims to create a region that offers the highest possible quality of life, innovation, and business friendliness. Neom will have its own legal system in which Saudi Arabia's restrictive religious rules explicitly do not apply. BitNation is a virtual state with its own legal and dispute settlement system, which offers an alternative to state services. Marriage and birth certificates, property transactions, and all types of certification are mapped using a reputation-based blockchain system. Even security services are offered. Even if we have no way of knowing the chances of success of these various projects, apparently the time is ripe for new forms of living together. A Disruptive Technology Free private cities have the potential to become a real alternative to existing orders or to overcome them in the sense of creative destruction, Schumpeter, without overthrowing them. Evolutionary changes are always preferable to violent revolutions. Every revolution ultimately eats its children, and every revolution so far has simply replaced one group of the privileged by another. Once various free private cities are scattered around the globe, this will put considerable pressure on the existing states to change their system towards more freedom if they do not want to lose their most productive citizens. This is precisely the positive effect of competition that has been lacking in the state market up to now. Today, people can already choose from countless products on offer, can choose from a wide variety of insurance policies for all areas of life, and constantly receive new technical products. Why should they choose to maintain a coercive solution that is expensive and dysfunctional in the area of living together, arguably the most important market of all. The need to make a profit without the possibility of dictating prices or forcing others to buy their own services gives free private cities the right incentive, 
namely the optimal use of resources and the best possible response to customer needs. These incentives are lacking in state-organized processes. This can be observed, for example, in healthcare, at schools and universities, and more recently, in energy supply. Such misguided incentives lead to undesirable developments, and after a short time, people have found out how these systems can be milked to the maximum without providing the appropriate compensation. Others discover how to shelter in such organizations without actually working. Others find out how to finance their own interests and projects unrelated to the original purpose of the organization. All state reform efforts, the establishment of independent commissions, legal changes, and so on, can at best alleviate the symptoms. The design flaw lies in the incentive structure. For this very reason, in the long term, state control cannot compete with the private sector. If one transfers this observation now to the largest of all conceivable enterprises, the state, then it becomes clear how much untapped potential is there to provide the same services better and cheaper. Since voluntary demand only emerges for products that are really desired, this will at the same time bring about a considerable improvement in the supply of functioning societies on the market of living together. The free cities of the Middle Ages were refuges from the absolute rule of the monarchs, but were ultimately accepted by them because of their positive economic impact. The free private cities of the 21st century will be refuges from paternalism and exploitation by our governments. They will eventually be tolerated by them for the same economic reasons. That's because the need for money by those in power always tends towards infinity. City air makes you free soon again. Diversity instead of uniformity. It is therefore not too risky to predict that free private cities or comparable communities, which offer security and allow people to live independently in liberty and self-determination, will inevitably emerge. On the one hand, a permanently high standard of living will only be possible where both economic and personal freedoms are granted. On the other hand, most people will simply be happier if they can be what they want to be. But would they be happier? Happiness lies in the perception of the individual. Happy is the one who feels happy. A poor person in a dangerous environment can be many times happier than a rich person in a secure luxury resort, or vice versa. But whoever cannot be the one he wants to be will most likely be unhappy, no matter what circumstances he lives under. The free private city is an operating system that enables the individual to realize his idea of happiness, or, less dramatically speaking, to live his life the way he wants to. Like all operating systems, free private cities will evolve over time. They will adapt to customer demands and take on different forms of appearance, even beyond the models presented here. It is likely that some of the ideas proposed in this book will prove impractical and will be replaced by others. Precisely because we cannot know which system is evolutionarily the best, we must allow diversity and competition. A wide variety of communities are conceivable and legitimate as long as participation in them is voluntary. 
Forms of living together are successful regardless of their form of government if and when people want to belong to them by their own free will. As long as free private cities offer people an improvement in their well-being, or at least proper conditions for achieving this goal, they will be in demand. If money can be made from private cities, more and more competitors will enter this market. This will ultimately minimize profit margins, as in other markets. It is likely that the contributions and charges to be paid will decrease over time without impairing the quality of services. And as in other product and service markets, the person who offers an attractive product to the masses earns the most money, not the luxury and niche provider. Since people are different, the establishment of a system that pleases a group of like-minded or similar-minded people will cause those who think and feel differently to feel uncomfortable with it. This is another reason why it is necessary to have a variety of offers available. This does not mean that some offers will not work better and be more successful than others. Nevertheless, we can observe in the product and service markets that there are many niche providers for special wishes and interests, even if the overwhelming majority are covered by the large providers. This implies giving people the freedom to make a bad choice that may be detrimental to themselves. In the market for products and services, we have no problem with that, so why not grant freedom of choice in the market for living together? It is precisely the opportunity to make different experiences and to learn from mistakes which ensures that over the course of time we sharpen our senses, develop a fundamental understanding of human interaction, and finally increase the quality of social systems on a broad front. Nor is anyone entitled to judge how their fellow human beings would like to live together. This ultimately leads to the recognition of private autonomy as a guiding principle, instead of an allegedly objective common good. As sovereign of himself, everyone then determines his own life, and not the leadership of the collective. The seasteading movement has a similar idea. In the seasteading worldview, any set of rules is okay as long as the residents consent to it voluntarily and can leave whenever they choose. We believe that citizens must opt in to a society with informed consent to an explicit social contract, and they must have the freedom to exit if they no longer believe that society is serving them. As long as those conditions hold, the details of that contract are not our concern. Once you have accepted that people and their preferences are different, then the motto can only be to live and let live. This includes defensive action against those who reject this principle. That should be enough to create a world of peace and freedom. Moral teachings that demand a kind of superhuman who is not even allowed to drink a glass of red wine too much are dispensable. The willingness to give others their freedom is also a step towards personal well-being and balance. Another is the admission of being the product of one's own decisions not the victim of any circumstances. Everyone has some kind of handicap. Let's make the best of it. None of the numerous dire predictions about the impending end of the world that have accompanied mankind since the beginning have occurred so far. But they have always been used as justification for restricting self-determination and exercising power over others. 
The damage done so far by well-intentioned attempts to avert the looming catastrophe has always been greater than the damage caused by the alleged or actual danger. There is no reason why this should be any different in the future. Even if a meteorite were racing towards Earth and threatened to do serious damage, it would not be necessary to install a world government. Voluntary associations of people are sufficient and probably even better suited to solving problems even of a global nature. Private initiatives have shown that even major tasks, such as decoding the human genome or space travel, can be carried out by non-governmental agencies. Ultimately, it will be the market, not politicians, intellectuals, journalists, or the current mainstream view that will decide whether free private cities will become a success, because the home of the future will be the adopted home. People are much more mobile than before, and the ties to a fixed place, country, or region have weakened for many reasons. The increased networking of the world ensures that new knowledge spreads faster than before. This includes the knowledge about alternatives. If a state refuses to match those alternatives, immigration follows. The increasing immigration in turn increases domestic pressure to make changes. That is why free private cities actually have the potential to change the world, even if they remain niche products for a long time to come.